Well, get down to fiddle and get down to bow. Kick off shoes and kick props for. Kiss in the kitchen in the morning light and Louisiana summer night. <laughs> I don't know. You're stalling. Yeah, this is what I do. I stall a lot. Okay. Now I'm nervy because you're staring into my soul. We'll, we'll look at you then. Anywho. Hello and welcome to Logically in Love. My name is Savannah Gamblin. If this is your first time here, welcome. Love to have you. I am a psychology student on the way to earning my doctorates and I share what I learned during my studies and apply that to everyday relationship issues and I use the psychology background to kind of help break down why these issues are happening and how we can fix them, whether it's with our partners, friends, family, or ourselves. If you are a returning listener, hey, (laughs) thanks for listening again. Ah, you guys are awesome. I love the support I get from this podcast. It's just the best, but I will say I'm pissed. I'm pissed because after I uploaded my second episode last week, my Instagram account was fucking hacked by some stupid ass little bitch. I'm so mad. I'm genuinely so mad because here's the thing. (laughs) You would think a company with multi-million dollars coming in would have a good tech support team. You would assume. No, no. You'd be sadly mistaken. Because here's what happens when you try to connect a team member. They basically tell you to fuck off and they don't care. So long story short, I cannot get into my Instagram account no matter how hard I try. I'm telling you, I tweeted at Instagram. I Facebook messaged them. I don't even, I like don't even use Facebook. I don't know how to Facebook, but I used Facebook Messenger to like message the CEO of Instagram. I freaking called the president at this point and I'm just not getting anywhere. So I affected, I affected, I accepted defeat. I went through all the stages of grief and we kind of just had a funeral for my old Instagram account and we moved on and created a new one. That was very hard to do for me because I'm just not good at social media. I'm just not, but I'm trying to get better. So I guess this is the universe telling me, hey girl, start over. You're going to appreciate it later. So I'm trying to see this in the best light possible, but yeah, I'm still pretty pissed about it. Very butthurt. But so my new Instagram account is Gamblin Savannah. <laughs> I hate my That is such a boring, like, why? I can't do Savannah Gamblin. That was my old account. My old account was Savannah Gamblin. I can't do that again. So now I had to, ooh, original, switched it up on them. Now it's Gamblin Savannah. So gambling without the G and Savannah with two N's, okay? There's that little disclaimer PSA. If anybody knows how to get back onto a hacked account, please DM me on my new Instagram. (laughs) But anyway, so this week we are getting into reason number two of the nine-month rule why you could be stuck in the realization stage. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that is because you did not listen to the last two episodes. And instead of wasting everybody's time, I'm not going to recap it. Just go listen to those and then come back to here. Okay, perfect. Now that we're all regrouped, 
Today, we're going to talk about reason number two, which is, and I titled it, You Could Be the Problem, but that's very aggressive. That's, it's just aggressive. Basically, what I'm getting at is you could just not understand how to communicate properly. Like, you just don't understand what you need or what your partner needs, or you don't understand the way you guys relate to intimacy, you know? So I'm kind of explaining this through love languages and attachment styles today because I was going to go ham on the whole communication conversation, but then I realized that would take five hours worth of podcasting and nobody has time for that. So I'm definitely going to have to start a communication series, which that would be fun. I do enjoy teaching people about communication, but for today, we're just going to talk about the foundation because I feel like if you understand love languages and you understand attachment styles, you're off to a good start. Okay, so we're just going to jump right into the love languages. So love languages, there's five of them. It's words of affirmations, quality time, acts of service, gifts, and physical touch. Each person has a primary love language that they resonate with the most that makes them feel the most loved and appreciated. This was created by Dr. Gary Chapman. He was a counselor for a church and he studied anthropology, psychology, all that good stuff. And basically what he discovered is every marital problem that went down in his office, he figured out that most of them rooted from lack of understanding each other's love language. So why is it important to understand each other's love languages. Well, if you don't understand how somebody shows their affection, you could think they just don't give a shit about you, when in reality, you just don't understand where they're coming from. So, for example, if somebody's love language is access service, so they're doing all these things for you, like they go wash your car, they vacuum, do the laundry, they, I don't fucking know, make your bed, these are all acts of service. But in your mind, you need those words of affirmations and you need them to tell you how much they love and appreciate you. But if that's not their way of showing affection and they're not the type to be all mushy-gushy and verbalize how they feel, then there's going to be a disconnect between the two of you and you're going to think he doesn't love you when really he just is loving you in his own way. That's kind of where problems arise. So, Dr. Chapman kind of explains this in a very perfect way. He says, love languages fuel our love tank. What he means by that? He kind of used the analogy of like a gas tank. So, we have this love tank and kind of like a a desk, kind of like a gas tank. If it's empty, you're not going to go anywhere. Your relationship isn't going to move. You're going to be stuck right where you are. Hence the realization stage. Yay! See how it all comes back full circle? But if you are filling that love tank, then your relationship is flourishing. It's moving far and wide, okay? So that was his analogy. And if you think about it, it's very, very fitting because we as humans, we're naturally selfish. It's not our fault. It's just the way that we're programmed. So we see the world through our eyes only. So if my love language is words of affirmations, I'm going to give words of affirmations because that's what I would want to receive. But if my partner, if that's just not what clicks with them and doesn't do it for them, 
then he's going to feel that disconnect and not feel loved and appreciated. So let's go into what the five are and kind of go from there. So words of affirmations, I think that one's very self-explanatory. It's saying, I love you. It's giving compliments. It's letting them know how much you appreciate them. It's sending them cute little texts throughout the day or leaving them post-it notes in the morning. These are just words of affirmations. It's verbally letting them know how you feel, okay? Second one, quality time. This one I resonate the most with. Um, It's when you have your partner's undivided attention, undivided attention, people. That does not mean sit on your pew-pew fucking video games while your girlfriend sits on the floor on her ass and doesn't do anything and watches you play. That's not quality time. Quality time is you actively hanging out with her, actively listening, actively engaged in whatever activity you guys are doing. Even if you guys are just sitting on the couch and watching Netflix, even that's an example of quality time. Third one, acts of service. This is like what I said. You wash their car, do the laundry, um, fix the freaking light that hasn't been changed in three goddamn years, okay? That would be an example of acts of service. It's you going out of your way to do something for your partner you know would make them happier, make their life easier. Fourth one, gifts. Also very (laughs) self-explanatory. However, I do want to note gifts does not mean money. All right, you do not have to spend a dime in order to give somebody gifts because the whole reason gifts is even a love language is it's not about the materialistic aspect, it's about the symbolic. It's a physical form of symbolism of you saying, Hey, I thought of you. And so you're giving them, even if it's like a flower you picked while you guys were on a walk, okay, or you write them a letter, you know, that. These are examples of gifts and you don't have to spend a dime. Or you can. I mean, it's your fucking wallet. Fifth, love language. Physical touch. This does not always have to be sexual. However, sexual touch is very important in a relationship. I think we all can agree on that. But even something as sweet as touching your partner on the shoulder when you're pouring their coffee in the morning or putting your hand on their thigh in the car or holding hands or giving them a kiss on the cheek before leaving. These are examples of physical touch. So, sometimes what happens in relationships when you don't understand your partner's love language is there's miscommunications that end up coming off as nagging. For example, let's go back to quality time. The guy, the boyfriend, he's playing video games all the time or maybe he watches sports and TV all the freaking time or goes out with the guys and the girlfriend is starting to get upset. She's nagging him, why are you always playing video games? You're always with the guys or all you care about is sports, you know, the typical things we hear women say. She's not actually mad that you're watching football or playing your video games She does not care, I promise you. What she cares about is the fact that she's hinting your video games and sports and all that shit is taking away from quality time. So sometimes when your partner's nagging you about things, that's kind of a clue as to what their love language might be. So another thing, acts of service. If your partner is nagging you and being like, you never do anything around the house, you don't help out, 
the dishes, you've never cleaned them, this, that, and the other. Clearly, that means you doing acts of service is very important to them and they're noticing that you're not doing it and so they're getting frustrated. And when you don't understand your own love language, you nag your partner to understand it. But it's like we your partner's not a mind reader. They can't just look at you and understand what you're trying to say, you know? So my first call to action is going to be understand your love language. What do you need from the relationship? Is it important to you to receive gifts? Is it important to you to spend quality time with your partner? And if you don't get that, you feel like you're not loved or appreciated in your relationship. What do you need from your partner? Next call to action. Now we have to ask for that clearly and directly, okay? Because like I said, your partner's not a mind reader. So how we're going to do this? Fact, belief, feel, action, all right? So we're going to use quality time as an example again. First, you're going to state a fact. You go to your partner and you say, hey, I've noticed you've been playing video games almost every single night instead of hanging out with me. Then you're going to go into believe. I believe that's because, or I think that's because, you really like playing games with your friends and it's a way for you to de-stress after a long day. Feel. But that makes me feel like you would rather be playing video games than spend time with me and it makes me feel less appreciated and loved in our relationship. Action. What I'd like from you is a balance between you playing video games and also spending quality time with me. Whether that be play video games for an hour or two and then we watch a movie before bed or we spend dinner together and then afterwards you can play video games, okay? You have to give them a clear call to action because it's not fair to just say, I want this, figure it out. You know, that's, no one wants that. No one has time for that. And then what happens if they try and then it's not what you want and then you get upset and then they're like, okay, well, I'm trying and it's not good enough. And then they're just never going to want to try, right? So just make it easy for them from the start and tell them exactly what you need from them. And by explaining how it makes you feel and why you think it's happening, it's giving them the opportunity to explain themselves and to also understand how it's affecting the relationship because if you're just nagging them and saying oh you're always playing video games blah 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 then they're just thinking you're bitching to bitch and that's not what we want and you're not going to get anything out of that now for my long distance babies you're probably wondering okay well how the fuck do I do physical touch so Dr. Gary Chapman going back to him the OG he did a study with military families And he took samples from a shit ton of couples and asked them what is important to you and, like, made a lot of the people in the military have to read this book, by the way. They have to read the five love languages. And so when they were done reading it, they asked them which one's the most important to you. When it came down to physical touch, they gave them ideas to, okay, what if you, and this is going to sound silly, but the results were actually really cute. They had the men in the military put their hand on a piece of paper and trace their hand and mail it to their wives back home. And on the piece of paper, it said, 
put your hand on mine. I want to hold your hand. And I know it's just a piece of paper, but the psychology behind it was so comforting and the wives loved it and it helped them stay together while they were deployed. Another example was them leaving behind one of their favorite jackets. So whenever their wives were feeling lonely, they could put the jacket on and it felt like they were hugging them. So it's little things like that. So if you're in a long distance relationship, it's good to like leave something of yours with your partner so if they're ever feeling lonely they can like connect with that or maybe even writing like a handwritten letter or something like that it just it means a lot more than you probably think it would so now we're going to move on to attachment styles now attachment styles are kind of or attachment theories as you will they are taught to you from an early childhood stage, right, by your parents. And I could go into explaining all of that, but it won't really change anything because at the end of the day, none of these are concrete. You can change your attachment style. It's going to take a lot of self-work, but you can change it. So I'm not going to explain where it roots from because at the end of the day, that doesn't really matter. There's four of them. Okay, there's secure style, dismissive avoidant, anxious preoccupied, and fearful avoidant. So there's one good one, and the other three are not so great. However, I will say so the good one's secure, right? Secure attachment style basically looks like this both partners are independent. They are their own person. They have their own individual lives. They both trust themselves, trust each other. They are very vulnerable and emotionally intimate and connected with each other. They have no problem letting their guard down and they're able to communicate effectively. This is not to get confused with a picture-perfect relationship, okay? Because secure styles still fight. They still can break up. They can still go through tragedies, okay? It's just the fact that when one partner goes out with the boys, the girlfriend's not sitting at home freaking out if he's cheating on her, right? She's just like, yeah, he's doing his thing. He'll be back when he gets back. You know, it's it's very relaxed. No one's nervous. No one's, there's no anxiety involved. It's a lot of trust. Second one, dismissive avoidant, okay? This one, I kind of want to do a little disclaimer here. I've actually experienced all four of these stages throughout my dating life. And right now, I can say that I'm in a secure attachment style. However, I used to not be. So dismissive avoidant, that's one that I was in not too long ago. And basically, it's when you're afraid to let anybody get too close to you. You're extremely uncomfortable with emotional intimacy. And anytime your partner is trying to connect with you or have you open up and get vulnerable, you just completely shut down. And if they were to say, well, I'm leaving you, you'd be like, cool. You'd act like you don't care. Which that level of independence is an illusion. Humans, we're social creatures. We do actually need people, but dismissive avoidant styled people are so afraid to let their guard down. They go around walking like they don't need anybody, all right? Very unhealthy. The third one, anxious, preoccupied. 
This is the polar opposite of dismissive avoidant, okay? These are those clingers, those stage five fucking clingers that we all hate. I'm sorry. (laughs) But like, (laughs) let's be real. No one wants a clinger unless you're both anxious preoccupied, which that just sounds like a codependent mess that I, whatever. These are the people, they constantly need reassurance. They always want, like, you know those people that say I love you after, like, a couple weeks of dating and the other one's like, what the absolute fuck? Like, that is, that is this. (laughs) Anxious, preoccupied people constantly need that emotional connection and intimacy, They constantly need that emotional intimacy and they constantly need more and more and more from their partner. And oftentimes it ends up pushing them away. So if you find in all your relationships, you scare people away, you're probably anxious preoccupied. And the fourth one is kind of a little hybrid. It is fearful avoidant. This is a mix of dismissive avoidant and anxious preoccupied. Basically, these people don't know what the fuck they want. (laughs) They go back and forth where one day they're like, I'm a bad bitch, leave me the fuck alone. And then the next day they're like, oh, I need snugs. And it's really hard to understand these people. And it's kind of difficult to be in a relationship with them because it's like hot and cold. Yes and no. Okay. They, it's just, you can't please them. They're different every single day. So the reason it's important to understand your attachment style and also your partner's attachment style is because obviously the secure one, there's not really issues in that, but the other three, it's important to understand because let's say you guys are having a dispute and you're dating somebody who's anxious preoccupied. And so when you guys are fighting, they are freaking out. Like they are emotionally devastated and it is the worst thing to ever happen to them. It would be good to know that that's their attachment style because then you can communicate with them. Hey, I'm really mad at you. I still love you and we're still together, but I'm pissed the fuck off. So I need you to give me space. As long as you're still reassuring them and letting them know, I'm not going to leave. I just need space. They're still going to be nervous, but it's going to be a lot easier for them versus you just ghosting them, right? Like we've all been in that situation where you're fighting with your partner and then you, one of them says night and then there's no response. And then the whole next day, there's just no communication and it's petty as fuck. But for some reason, we always do that. Yeah, that is not going to work for an anxious, preoccupied person, and they're probably going to end up blowing up your phone. So it's not fair to them to just completely ghost them. With somebody who's dismissive avoidant, if you're in a fight with that type of person and they just start acting like they don't give a fuck, that's going to hurt your feelings. You're going to be like, what the hell? I thought you gave a shit about me. I thought you loved me. And you just saying all of that mushy-gushy shit is only going to push them away more. So if you understand your partner's style, you'll understand how to communicate with them more effectively during these disputes. Now, like I said earlier, this is not a concrete thing. You can change. If you are anxious, preoccupied, you probably need to spend more time with yourself. You probably have some 
attachment issues, kind of like what I said in the last episode where I was saying you might be afraid to be alone. That's very much anxious, preoccupied people. And it's also helpful to know if you're that way because then maybe having words of affirmations is your love language and so you need to have that from your partner all the time so you should communicate that. If you're fearful avoidant and you're hot and cold, it's important to understand that because then you're able to effectively communicate that with your partner when they're confused because yesterday you were all over them and today you want nothing to do with them. That's going to be very upsetting and an emotional roller coaster for them. So that way you're able to communicate, hey, you're literally not affecting this. This has nothing to do with you. Some days I just am very independent and other days I'm not. And you're able to give your partner that reassurance. So me personally, I went through all four of these. When I was younger, I was very anxious, preoccupied. I was a stage five clinger, needed to know everything and anything about my partner. And then I kind of started going towards fearful avoidant where I was still a little anxious, still needed all that reassurance, but I was starting to build a little bit more of my independence. Then I got my heart broken and I was like, fuck y'all bitches, I'm out, I don't need anybody, and I was dismissive avoidant for a very long time, hated intimacy, hated emotional connection. If anybody even tried to say the words I love you, I basically put them in a chokehold. And then now I'm secure, we're good, we're fine. So you can change. If you recognize what's going on with you and you don't like it, you, there's things you can do. So I know that was kind of a brief explanation of attachment styles. I could go more in depth and I probably should, but I'm just, I'm not, I'm sorry. It's not, (laughs) attachment styles is one of those things where it's like, you could look it up and there's going to be so many different like explanations. So it's very hard to get one solid concrete definition Um, and then with love languages, I mean, that one we're just going to talk about throughout the rest of the podcast because that's just something that is always going to come up. It's always going to be important and relevant. So I didn't want to go extreme in depth, but I feel like those two kind of cover the basic foundations. So my call to action for you guys is spend some time thinking with yourself. Like, what do I need? How do I feel in a relationship? Do I get nervous that my partner's going to leave me all the time? Is it really important to me to spend quality time with my partner? And if I don't, I don't feel loved. Like, ask yourself these questions because as soon as you understand them, you're able to communicate that in the fact, belief, feel, action way that we talked about. And then you're able to ask your partner, what are your love language? Like, what's your love language? What's your style of attachment? How do you feel when we get in these arguments? Or how do you feel when things are going south? And it just makes everything so much easier to understand. So I definitely am going to have to start a communication series because there's just way too much to put in one episode. So thank you guys so much for listening to today's podcast. I will see you guys next week for reason number three, which is your relationship could be healthy except dot dot dot. So maybe you have one single issue that's going on in your relationship that's just no bueno. Maybe somebody is very jealous. Maybe one person is a little bit manipulative. But other than that, the whole relationship is picture perfect, right? So we'll get into that next week. 
And yeah, I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Thank you guys so much for listening. Like I said in the beginning of the episode, my Instagram is gambling Savannah now. So that's great. Um, <laughs> still super butt hurt. But anyways, thanks guys. Bye.